Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Trek from the Holodeck. This is the Lower Decks Edition, and I'm your host, Michael Flores, the captain. If you're new to our show, we cover a wide variety of Star Trek content, and you can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search from the Holodeck. Our preferred podcast provider is iTunes, and we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating as it does trigger those algorithms and help people find our show that much easier. It helps us wade through all the corporate podcasts that are now clogging up the algorithm. So we do need the assistance of the listeners in order to cut through. Give us that five-star rating, and that will help. Okay, so I'm in studio today with Ensign David Sabal. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are you today, Dave? Feeling very good and thankful there's no pack lead surrounding us, so we will not get blown up. Thank you, Winston. <laughs> Thank you. Although I um, I think you would offer the pack leads uh, quite the challenge. <laughs> the challenge. Yeah. All right. So we're going to be talking about the season two finale of Star Trek Lower Decks titled First, First Contact. Firstly, I want to say thank you to the Star Trek gods. For giving us Mike McMahon. Because I so loved how this episode turned out. Absolutely. And how the season turned out. But specifically with this episode, this was a classic TNG era finale. McMahon even went as far as ending the episode with a to be continued title card. How did you feel, Dave, when you saw that? Oh, my God. Did you get as giddy as I did? Got so giddy because it reminded me of all the classic TNG season finale moments. Yep. Where you have that one moment that basically says, okay, they got past everything, but then bang, you have, you know, whether it's I'm Lacutus of Borg or my favorite one to be continued was uh, Spock coming out of the shadows, the Romulan, uh, when you find out that uh, Leonard Nimoy was yeah. in the TNG episode yep. to be continued. And yeah. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Well, dude, the moment Freeman got arrested, I was like, holy shit, this isn't going to end. And I got, I was like, this is going to be to be continued. <laughs> but that was like my Star Trek nerd want. I didn't really think we were going to get it. I was like, holy shit, we might get this. But I didn't think we really would. And then we did. Well, especially since it got, it was so brilliantly tied to the myth arc of the entire series that, you know, as, as an audience, weren't, we weren't paying attention to the myth arc. Yeah. You know, it started with Riker on the Titan. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the whole story of that got bled through the entire season because the whole seat, the, the whole story. Yeah, yeah. The whole story was about the lower decks, but you know, the story a, what normally would have been story A was the thing that came back to haunt the team at yeah. the very end. What the what what story A, the traditional story, which let's just call story B here, the bridge crew. Yes. 
the issues they were dealing with ended up being a myth arc of sorts. And we really didn't catch it until it was over. I'm like, Oh shit, this is, this is what they're doing. They actually have a, a myth arc here for their season. And as it turns out, it ended up being a huge deal for the season finale. <laughs> and I, I could not be happier. Truly. I really enjoyed it. The, the pack led threat, you know, <laughs> you never thought it's taken a turn and someone has bombed their home world. Oh, come on. Come on, Mike. You really think someone bombed you, you their You think home. they did to themselves? Come on. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it's them. Oh, I'm not doubting that at all. <laughs> However, Freeman has been framed, framed for the crime. This has to do, I'm sure, with the pack leads, or it could even be the Klingons. We still have that issue that needs to be wrapped. Perhaps something was set in motion before the rogue Klingon was killed. Well, However, yeah. we can, due to how this episode ended, we can expect a big season opener next year, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that caught me off guard was that moment when she gets arrested and they brought up the whole fact of... uh her and Shanks, the episode the, the, that they went to the Packlet home planet mm-hmm. where they kept mistaking her as Janeway. Yeah. And well, they should have arrested Janeway then. Yeah. They, they basically brought that one episode back to the front and said, Hey, do you guys remember this? This was all story A or story B in that episode. And it was almost, I guarantee you, everyone when they saw that episode thought it was a throwaway thing. Yeah. And suddenly it comes back to haunt Freeman in the end because Freeman did what we all agree that she she treated the pack led. She basically said, you know what, they're idiots. They'll do they'll mess up their own way and we'll we'll get out of it in the end because of their stupidity. And I I was like cracking up because everyone says, Oh, who bombed the pack led? And I'm like going, Really? Those oh. idiots probably bombed themselves. <laughs> And honestly, what would the universe really lose if they did kill themselves, bond themselves out of existence? I think everyone would be better off. What do they offer to society? They're literally leeches. (laughs) Exactly. That is literally what they are. They are a leech society. They're They're unable to do anything for themselves. They're almost like, what's the name of the aliens from the pilot of Star Trek? Remember the ones with the big heads? Always forget their name. Oh, those. Oh, my God. I forgot them. Do you remember yes, how I they do. became the way they they are? They were handicapped and unable to do anything for themselves. That's why they wanted Pike to create a new species on their planet. Yes. Because they had become so advanced, they forgot how to take care of themselves and do things. That's basically what the Packleds are, except on the other spectrum. The other side of that is them. You have the Packleds, and then you have the <laughs> pilot aliens. Hey, pilot aliens. But think about this, Mike. Mike McMahon essentially, throughout this entire se- series or the season has basically told us the most dangerous people out there are the stupid. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Look at you picking up on that. And I was like, that's going, a strong social statement. It is a strong social statement that normally if you were to say that out loud, Oh, he get killed yeah. in this, in, in social media. Eh, I think the people that would be offended would be too stupid to realize he's talking to them. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what the beauty in of fact, this. I'm sure Mike McMahon is actually talking to us and we're too stupid to actually realize it. <laughs> and we're thinking that he's talking about someone else. He's talking about someone else. <laughs> All right. So tacking on to the last episode, we get that last bit of closure between Freeman and Mariner, their whole relationship and 
the ins and outs and how that works. The idea that they have come to terms with their differences is something that we had talked about last episode. And this feels like a continuation of that, a bit of tacking on. I love how the series uses flaws to create complicated characters that are more naturalistic. For example, having Meritor come face to face with her issues regarding her lack of friends, her inability to play nice with others, and her defensive her defensive nature, and then make her acknowledge that these things are true about her is just a great way to show a character's progress. Because if this was last season, she would not have admitted any of those things. Oh, never. never. Uh, in a properly written story, you should have characters change or attempt to change. And this is something they've accomplished all season. I know a lot of people tend to think that, at least with Western literature, that when you write a character arc, you got to have progress, right? You got to have a character recognize the error in their ways and they then make adjustments and they change their entire life. And that is true for the most part. But then there's other scenarios that will work in its place. For example, a character that may not make any changes, but the change is actually them understanding that they need to change and they make an attempt to change. Does it mean they do? It just means they are aware of that. And that yes. also can work in the way of true change. And I have a feeling that's what they did with Mariner. Mariner has come to accept who she is and the fact that it may not be cool to be who she is all the time. Exactly. And it, it all started with her beginning relationship with Boimler because you just needed her to get cracked first like an egg. Yeah. And Even in this episode, he did that. Yeah. He's the one that shook her out of her, her stubbornness. Her like, stubbornness. Listen, you need to go to the bridge. Let me do this. I believe that's what he said. I'm going to jump in the water with the dolphins. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. They're not dolphins, Mike. They're whales. Yes. Whales. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> but that was, the, that was also a really cool moment, too, character-wise, because Boimler at this point Boim? has, been, has been kind of like gearing up towards being more of that go-getter. Okay. I'm the serious character. Now I'm not a goofball. I'm not the kid pointing at pointing at the very end of the last season. It's the Titan. Oh, he's still that. <laughs> he's still that. But he's learned a lot, but he's learned a lot to the point and where matured. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Do you realize Boimler Mariner, all of them. If you actually took a look at each of the characters, they're far different from where we left left yeah. off at the end of season one. Very different. And they have grown as characters. This was the one that what I felt was the most needed with Mariner mm -hmm. because the acknowledgement, it was, it's almost yeah. like a, it has been a slow burn. Like, okay, we need Mariner to finally take those steps and showing that she can't be this. I am the greatest Star Trek officer of all time. I'm the, no one's better than me type of mentality, right? Mm -hmm. And they needed to break that down completely before she could actually move on, move forward. Yeah. And that's why I really did enjoy the little moments when I thought it was a really smart thing to introduce that new character. I don't think it's actually even a new character, the Andorian. That... Yeah, she's been around. That uh, Mariner interacted with. Mm-hmm. Because it shows her actually making a change and exactly. trying to be friendly with people. Yeah, it's it would have been far different if she did it with the core four 
or the co- the other right. three. That's her circle. That's so her circle. Have counted. Yeah. Her stepping out and actually t- kind of them introducing this new uh, buddy relationship with this new character shows Mariner is changing. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I will say, Dave, I need a t-shirt that now reads Vito's. Kirk's. No, no, not that one. Kirk's style free spirit who kicks butt. and who's super intimidating because of his confidence i believe was the second part of that yes i i would buy i'd spend top dollar for that shirt for that shirt get it done startrek.com thank you also sonia gomez is a character we haven't seen since the tng days if people were unaware yes she is a classic tng character she was an on again off again type character on the next generation during its early seasons. And then she all but vanished. She was the captain of the USS Archimedes, Archimedes. in this episode of Laura Dax. And again, do dude, you, do you realize we got another ship? Yeah, I know a brand new ship. Do the you, Archimedes. Do you remember who she was in TNG? It took me a while, but it, it, the famous scene that she's infamous for is spilling tea on Picard. Yeah. <laughs> Picard made that motherfucker face how <laughs> you who the fuck are you because that was during his really mean bully years yes when everyone was terrified of picard for about two seasons and do you realize the significance of that too is like essentially mike mcmahon was taking a lower decks member from the from the enterprise and bringing them front and center to lower decks Mm -hmm. and i'm like that was actually a really cool cool thing because it shows that you know number one mike mcmahon knows about the history of star trek and everything else and he's willing to stick with the themes that every single person matters on those starships you know like going back and actually getting those characters like a gomez we're still thinking i'm still waiting for them to bring me in barkley because Barkley would be awesome. It in almost this show. feels like it's too. It almost feels weird that they haven't yet. And it's it, because it, doesn't it feel like Barkley should actually be a full member of this show? Oh heck yeah! That type of character just completely fits with this cast. But also, I could see them saying, "Well, Barkley is already above lower deck level." Oh, he is. He's I mean, above. He probably is a captain by now, right? He would have to. Oh be. my god, no! He, was, he can't be a captain. Oh, he can be. He just needs to be with a bunch of people like him. That's it. <laughs> yeah. He can do it. All of them are holograms. Yes, yeah, so he he's the first captain of an all holographic crew. True. Then it would he would be the best captain ever because he completely is a different person when he's around holograms. Oh my god, dude, that's a show. We just came up with a show. Barkley as a as a as that a captain. needs to be the next comedy cartoon. Let's get it done. <laughs> now when it comes to Sonia Gomez I did remember her but I couldn't place which episodes she was in and eventually I only remembered because of my recent rewatch of the TNG run I had recently finished that so the name registered but I did have to look it up to uh I go to memory what is it memory alpha memory is alpha. the star trek yes like wiki I guess it's called but she was attached to Jordy. That was the, that was not his love interest because Jordy never had love interest. <laughs> well, he tried. Well, he tried. But he was one of the, Jordy and Sonia Gomez were paired up in episodes because she was an engineer 
and she was his first character that Jordy. Yes, she was the first character that Jordy creeped out over. Because a lot of people may not realize this or even agree, but during my rewatch, I realized that Jordy was a creeper during those first like three, four seasons, having relationships with holodeck women. And then when he sees the real version of that character, he assumes that they have a relationship. Yes. And he tries to bed the lady. He is super creep dude that doesn't really know how to talk to women. And I believe Sonia Gomez was one of them, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing that cracks me up is like also, uh, I think it was in this episode, the part of this episode where Captain, uh, when Go- uh, Sonia Gomez basically looks at an ensign and I think I have it written down here. She says, I've done way worse in front, front of much more intimidating captains. Yeah. So that's what made me, uh, that, that was a, that was a yeah. cool throwback to, to make uh, us Star Trek fans go back and see, okay, where the heck did she come from? And that's how a lot of people found her, especially like me, because I had to think about it. And you're right. The Jordy, the Jordy connection, dude, the reason why the hot chocolate got spilled on Captain Picard two was because of Jordy. Because I oh, watched that episode. Jordy's a dick, man. <laughs> LeVar Burt. I love LeVar. Oh, Burton. he was very dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. He Le- was, dude, he was probably the, biggest dick in that show he's the he was very dismissive of people that wasn't supposed to be engineering he the way they wrote him yes he he was a bit of a dick he's a dick and i i remember watch re-watching this uh re-watching that episode i think it's i think it is q the one that's titled q who and um in it is jordy pre you know when when he becomes more lovable towards the end of next generation but young jordy dude he was a weird i mean we're getting into tng territory he here, was a creeper just like what you said he was a character i don't think they fully knew what to do with in the beginning you know him and Worf both because Worf was never supposed to be a major lead it was going to be tasha yar it was supposed to be tasha yar and yeah. once tasha yar left the show jordy and Worf became the focus over her they kind of split her time and gave it to the two of them and if you think about the only thing back then now this sounds terrible but like the only thing that made jordy unique was the fact that he was blind and had a visor yeah that was it and it's sweet too and (laughs) and like i think you mentioned to me off off air but like the one like myth arc of Jordy throughout the entire season of TNG at one point was character spine. Yeah. Character spine yeah. was complaining to Worf data and Wesley, how he cannot find anybody. Yeah. He was a lonely <laughs> guy and he needed help with women. All the and time. that was it. It was weird. It was strange. It was very, it was very, not just strange. It was kind of really sad. <laughs> yeah. We're getting way off topic here. Let's bring it back. Yes. Um, all the Boimler stuff was funny. I thought it was very much in character to have him be the one that is overly excited about Captain Freeman Day. All the jokes about oh it being God, for toddlers yeah. was so funny. It started with Rutherford when he said, "Isn't that a toddler thing?" Oh come on, dude! And you gotta, you gotta, you 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 have to put the connection there. Is Mike McMahon really making fun of Picard at this point? <laughs> oh, I. Hmm. Is he? No, I don't think so. I'm come just gonna say he's not. 
You, you say he is. I say, I say he is. I, absolutely. I'm sorry. What he says, when Rutherford says that, that isn't that a thing for toddlers? And then remember I Picard, know. they made a big deal about Captain Picard Day. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Dave, I'm happy. Listen to our pre-show now. I have, I have worked <laughs> through my trauma. I had some serious PTSD because of the season one, <laughs> one Picard season one. And I've now worked through it, Dave. So no matter how much you try to make me fall off the wagon, <laughs> I won't. I'm just saying I- I'm healthy. Just say, but see, Mike David, McMahon is helping us. Don't play. Don't gamble with my health. Okay. <laughs> uh, the big reveal outside of Captain Freeman being arrested and it was a, some type of plot against her was the Rutherford thing. When he deleted his memory backups, he was able to recover a memory that he thinks he wasn't supposed to see. Yes. In this memory, it looked like someone was programming something into him that shouldn't be there. What are we thinking, Dave? Are we thinking Section 31? Man, if they are, Lordex has proven to me that basically they are not afraid to go anywhere now. So, and this is obviously going to play a part next season. They're not going to do something like that and then not go back to it. It's going to have to be an ongoing thing. Could you actually, that little moment to me was like going, you're treading on dark territory. So would you actually bring those dark elements into lower decks? Because let's face it, Mike, section 31, if they do, if they do something like that, they have to have those dark tones. I mean, they did. It, it's something that me and you have said is synonymous with that particular part of of the Federation. Yeah, they can do it. I, I think they can do it. Why not? You know, as long as you know ninety percent of the show remains what it is. You know, comedy. That's the whole point of the show. They can definitely go into a darker territory a bit. I mean, look at the amazing action sequences we had last episode, and then how this episode ended. This is a comedy, and yet it ended. On a, I don't want to call it a sad note, but definitely a downer, a downer. Yeah. Tendy gets promoted and that's pretty much all we were given with Tendy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. She's going to be part of the bridge crew now. Yes. How she's lower decks. Well, she got, uh, well, what's the word promoted? She got promoted yeah, well, by Dr. Uh, Tayana. Yeah. Let's see how that works. And yes, she's and picture that she's, well, no. She's not one of the first ones to get promoted to the bridge crew because Mariner's there. But out of Boimler and Rutherford and her, she's the first one. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I ultimately love what they did with this season. And just moving into final thoughts, this episode is pretty much done for today for our discussion. It's pretty simple. Uh, My final thoughts Combine my season thoughts with this episode. Okay. I feel like the season made me very happy as a Star Trek fan. The show, you know, found its legs. I guess the question is whether or not we as Star Trek fans are willing to take this show as a legitimate Star Trek series. And I feel like, yes, I know there are some people who make jokes and make comments on comment sections on YouTube and social media. And they say the funniest thing about Lower Decks is that the producers think it's canon. But it is canon. But that doesn't mean that any Star Trek fans will take it serious. Serious. As, and what I mean by serious, look at it as a legitimate 
Star Trek series. And it's a bit of a strange thing for me, being that this is an animated comedy cartoon. But if you were to go through the last 20 episode scripts, if you were to break down those scripts and trim out all the slapstick comedic elements and you'd have a legitimate Star Trek series. Oh, no, absolutely. You have all the semantics of a Trek series, the things that make up a Trek series, the embodiment of what makes Star Trek. Star Trek is there and it's properly utilized. So I started my final thoughts by posing a question and I'm going to end it by answering that question, at least for me. And I'm going to say, yes, I feel like this is a legitimate Star Trek installment, a Star Trek series. I'm going to give this episode a 97%. And the only reason why it's not higher is because I wanted to deduct due to my own Star Trek fandomness. I wanted to be objective as, as much of, I'm losing my, my train of thought here. I want to be objective as much as possible. Yeah. And that's why when I really like something from a fan perspective, I try to deduct some points so that it uh, balances out and it's more fair. Go I'm ahead, Dave. Fair. I'm not going to be fair. I'm not going to be fair. I know I mean, you're never fair. The, the Star Trek, this Star Trek series by far has been my favorite Star Trek series. We've, we've covered thus far. Yeah. I mean, discovery has been fun and discovery has its moments but I have Wait, not... your favorite series we've covered so far. Yes. Really? I mean, season one was, was a start, right? There's less aggravation. Less I'll, aggravation. I'll give you that. And like, we don't Lord get frustrated. Dex, I come in every single episode and I'm like going, I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. I'm loving Star Trek. That's this true. is the first time in a while that I look at something and I say, oh, you know, I don't like this. They didn't get this right. Or this is not perfect. To me, this is the perfect season of Star Trek that we all needed. You know, because like what at the end of the day, when you look at the mechanics, even Mike, Mike McMahon still made a lot of historical elements, even from the first season, still come into play. When I gave him props when Boimler comes back from the dead and he mentions about the koala, and all of a sudden that's the same what happened in season one with Tendi. And the guy who achieved enlightenment. Yeah. I appreciate that because that's part of my, that's part of like how it's the, it's the show's continuity. Continuity. The yeah. continuity is the greatest I've ever seen because every single moment matters. And this is the thing that I've always been wondering if Mike McMahon would bring this type of energy that you get from Rick and Morty where you watch Rick and Morty and you watch it multiple times and you find little things. And every little thing matters in every single episode. And he does in this particular season. He's done this as like a masterwork of how to do it. And I I honestly feel that Lower Decks has turned into my number one series that I loved. And this season by itself gets a hundred for me. When it comes out on Blu-ray, you're damn right. I'm going to buy it. It's going up on the shelf and any Star Trek what you, fan. What are you giving this episode? This episode, I'm giving a uh, 98. And you're giving the season 100%? 100%. Because, like. I think that, that contradicts all your other scores. But you know what? I guess in retrospect, you have to go back. You have to go back and you have to actually put everything together. And then once you actually put the pieces together, you begin, I began to realize all those questions I had is like, well, why did he do this? Well, he did this because. Three episodes later, he does it to 
further his story forward. Yeah. I, listen, I'm not going to argue with you at all. I mean, it is interesting that you're saying this is the best. Uh, that's hard for me to say. I do feel like it is a Star Trek series, but it's also something very different. It, maybe that's just my own hang up. I can't reconcile live action versus animation. Then, it's, it's really hard for me to do that. But you are also an animation guy. So yes. it's possibly easier for you to do that. Oh, yeah. Because like to if, me, the animation is just can be just as strong as live action. I mean, the closest thing I've gotten with vibes of this was Discovery Season 2. Discovery Season 2 for me is also my favorite moment see, for Star Trek. Yeah, I, that's my favorite. That's my favorite season of this entire new era of Star Trek. But the weird still. part was when I took a look back doing my notes for this, I, I took a tally of how many times in Discovery Season 2 compared to Lower Decks Season 2, how many times did I have like that head scratching, what, what's going on here? I had it more with Season 2 of Discovery. And that's why I gave this one. Yeah. This is my pass. I, I I can't find anything wrong with this one. <laughs> Listen, Dave, that's fair. I like those thoughts. This does bring us to the end of our Star Trek, the Lower Decks coverage for this year. Another season has gone by. And we are revving up now for Prodigy. So we are not leaving. We will be here holding your hands throughout the winter seasons. And... I still have to talk to you about it, Dave, but except for a few weeks because of holidays, we are going to be here. So November comes around. We won't be here. We'll be behind. We will be behind in our coverage of both Prodigy and Discovery. And then during Christmas time, we're going to be out for two or three weeks. So we'll be behind on the coverage, but we will catch up and we will do them. We will put them out. So we are here for the long haul for the next, what, three, four months of Star Trek. In fact, it wasn't our calculations that with Picard's release as well, <laughs> yes. which was what, February? Yes. That we'd actually be here for the next uh, March. March. April is yeah. when we'd be done. So that's continuous Star Trek discussions from now until about March. March. So if you want to help us not be so stressed out when you do, when we do these shows, I would love for you guys to please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Rayman Digital and pledge. If you pledge $3 to our behind the scenes tier, you'll gain access to our uh, pre-shows that we do pretty much before every discussion, every Star Trek discussion and talk about random Star Trek news, things that we're going to be doing, uh, thoughts here and there about different Star Trek series. We never run out of things to talk about when it comes to Star Trek. It is quite surprising. Oh, yeah. And then we have the $5 tier. And when you get that tier, you'll gain access to everything in the $3 tier and all of our full length podcast discussions. And we've done thousands of hours of additional holodeck shows that are only available on Patreon. So please, you help yourself and you help us stay on the air. We do need your support if we are to continue to do shows. Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital. I want to thank everyone for listening and sticking with us through this season's discussion. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.